This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a busy Wednesday afternoon, May 3rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. There are challenges for people looking to buy a home this spring, especially for those who are in the market for the first time. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, a report on jobs in the private sector is out ahead of the latest interest rate announcement from the Federal Reserve. We're joined by Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today. The consensus is that the uh, Fed will raise the uh, federal funds rate once again by a quarter of a percentage point, but they're trying to look for some sort of guidance afterwards. And that, and, and, and I guess the question for all of us, Carl, is uh, what uh, will they signal an end to the interest rate hiking cycle or will they keep their options open and announce they're keeping their options open? I think they'll be pretty clear on keeping their options open. They are very close to the finish line, and today could very well mark the final interest rate increase of the cycle. Uh, And then they'll sit back and uh, allow the medicine to fully uh, be reflected uh, throughout the economy. Um, But I I don't think there's a lot for them to gain by saying definitely uh, we are 100% done, mission accomplished, even though inflation is still uh, quite high. Uh, And instead, they'll say uh, we're going to pause here. Uh, assessed incoming economic data, including from the banking sector, and we could make further adjustments if needed. But we think this is pretty much, uh, you know, the the sweet spot of where we need to be uh, to slow the economy down and to to, to loosen the labor market uh, and drive those inflation pressures closer to two percent growth. The phrase that pays for Fed Chair Jay Powell uh, through numerous uh, statements is uh, data dependent, and there is some new data out today that may muddy the waters even further for Fed policymakers, and that is the consensus is the economy is slowing down and that the job market is slowing down. But the ADP report out today, of course, the private report not from the federal government suggests that hiring in the month of April could be a lot stronger than anticipated. How could that change the calculus for the Fed? Well, the Fed is very concerned about excessively tight labor conditions. Now, we talk about data dependence. You absolutely hit the nail on the head with that uh, catch. And, and Jay Powell adds another word to that, which is the totality of data. So it's not just focusing on a single data release like the ADP report, for example, but instead looking more holistically at the picture. Uh, And when we look holistically, we can see that the number of individuals filing for unemployment benefits has been steadily increasing. If we look at layoff announcements and layoff intentions uh, from companies, those have been rising pretty sharply. Uh, If we read the, the transcripts of corporate earnings season, again, we see 
uh, a diminishment in the use of uh, mention of labor shortages and instead uh, increasing uh, talk of uh, layoffs. So it is a softening labor market. I think the headline print in a lot of these figures or the top line number uh, misses some of the story. Uh, because as we look beneath the, the surface and start peeling back the layers of the onion, uh, we see that there's diminished demand for labor. So the number of hours being worked is pulling back. Uh, overtime work is being uh, reduced. Uh, the quality of jobs is really tilting uh, towards lower quality jobs as uh, higher pay sectors have started to uh, either lay off or, or are no longer hiring. Uh, so it's a, a much more nuanced picture that the Fed is uh, looking at as they try to assess uh, how much? Uh, how much is the right amount of uh, medicine to uh, prescribe here? Carl Ricadana, chief U.S. economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, help in navigating the current real estate market because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's spring home buying season and there are some complicating factors in the market. Let's get some insight for both new and repeat buyers from Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website is engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. And let's talk about some of those complicating factors for uh, first-time and repeat home buyers and uh, how you can navigate them. The biggest one, of course, is uh, higher mortgage rates. Uh, and for, for some home buyers, maybe the highest they've ever encountered. Yeah, it's a great point, Robin. Good to be with you. And so a lot of us have been spoiled over the last, let's say, four or five years with historically low mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are getting back to just about the average, right? We're not being faced with mortgage rates that we had back in the late 80s or sorry, the late 70s, early 80s when mortgage rates were at 20%, but it, it is starting to bite a little bit. And so home ownership is becoming a little bit more expensive, which is, you know, again, bringing the complications is, in is where do these, let's say, new uh, uh, homeowners, where do they get the down payment uh, to go ahead and buy these, uh, to buy these new homes? And then uh, outside of the, the, the mortgage rate component, which, of course, uh, you can refinance over the course of your life in this home, it's just the, the lack of inventory out there. I mean, that's why the housing market is slowing down. Is like There's just a, 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 a lack of homes to be sold. I mean, just looking at, uh, I'm playing with the Redfin app right now and just looking at the amount of homes uh, available for sale in my town. And uh, if, if you're looking to move in, in the northwest suburbs, it's, it's kind of hard right now. There just aren't very many homes to choose from. Well, and this is from the financial planning side, because, you know, as a certified financial planner, we take a holistic approach. So when our clients are looking at moving or transitioning, we take all this into consideration. And again, is this a, you know, a five to 10 year? Is this your, your, your home you're planning on living in forever? So when we go through these cycles, and we've been through plenty of cycles over 30 years of doing this, when we start, when we start hitting this, let's say, uh, headwind, if you would, in terms of inventory versus what's available versus interest rates, we really need to get bolt down into the finances, right? What's affordable? What's not? How much is a reach? You know, do we think we have the ability to refinance in the future? Those are the kind of elements that come in. And to your point, right, buying a home is very emotional. And so the lack of inventory makes people want to move more. But you want to make sure you're getting on the right financial foot before committing to such a large investment. And then the other side of that is uh, making sure that once they, if they do, are they're prepared for it and they have the money to do it, that uh, they have their financial ducks in a row so that when they do find a house they like, uh, they can actually jump on it right then and there with the resources available to them. 
Yeah, we often try to guide our clients to be in the best financial position. As, as you alluded to now, it's a very competitive marketplace. We want to make sure that your credit scores are aligned. There's no there's no uh, worries, if you would, in terms of your credit history. We want to make sure you've got a down payment and all these different elements that align up to put you in the best position. And that does take some pre-planning to your point. So without a question of a doubt, for all your listeners, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. Pre-approved for mortgages, whether it's through a institution or a mortgage lender, just make sure you've got all this aligned because any kind of surprise at all in the process will knock you out of a deal. Sometimes you just have to move. Your your family is getting larger. You're running out of room. You have to. Uh, uh, you, you're just you know your your current home is bursting at the seams. You have to move. But when you talk about counseling your clients about maybe maybe wait a couple of years or wait a year, maybe this is not the right time for you. Uh, what what are some good signs that this is the good time to move versus maybe you should uh, hold your horses and wait. Yeah, that's that's fun, Robert. If you can kind of guide me on what the future is going to look like for the housing market, I'll, I'll appreciate you even more. Um, I think that's one of the challenges. I think trying to time the market is difficult. I will tell you, though, when, when there's challenging times and there's a lot of talk about a recession coming up, it's potentially for people, let's say, who are able to transition easily. That's when you really want to try to take advantage, if you would, of, of softer prices, when people are forced to sell for whatever reason or there's just a softer market. That means that the, the favor is in the buyer side, where right now it's pretty much on the seller's side. But to your point, you know, again, from, from the timing perspective, it is what it is. But if you have an ability to wait and, and look for a softer economic environment to potentially move and really try to leverage some of the funds you have, that's not that's that's a pretty good strategy to look to embrace ed jertson certified financial planner and founder of the engage wealth group based in chicago find him online engagewealthgroup.com coming up next helping someone else build their credit this is the wbbm noon business hour it's Personal Finance Wednesday, and in this segment, we're talking about building credit and how you can lend a hand to someone else who's trying to do so. We welcome in Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com, based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. And normally in personal finance segments, we talk about how you yourself can improve your credit, steps you can take to accomplish that goal. But uh, what can you do if you want to improve or build credit for a loved one? You can add someone to one of your credit cards as an authorized user. This is a tool that I especially like for young adults. I often suggest doing this maybe even as early as age 16 or 17. Maybe your kid's driving, they're still living at home. You can use this as a training wheels approach to both learning about how to manage credit and actually affecting your credit score, letting that child piggyback off your hopefully positive credit history. But you could do this for an older kid. You could do this for a spouse. You could even do it for a friend. Um, this can actually be a really useful credit building tool. And I know we've talked about uh, possibly uh, opening up credit accounts uh, for children who are even younger than 16 just to uh, establish their credit uh, before they actually start spending for themselves. Yup, it's a very impactful strategy. This really works best if you're building credit from scratch. It's really more of a an advantage if you have a blank canvas. It can help you too if you're rebuilding after a prior misstep, but those prior blemishes are still going to weigh on your score. Being an authorized user is especially useful if it's your only credit account or maybe one of a very small number 
of credit accounts. It tends to be a good way to build from scratch. Yeah, and we're also talking about people who might have uh, just strictly spent with a debit card over the years. They didn't really use credit cards. Uh, one example was uh, a, a child who lived abroad for many years and did not utilize a credit card, therefore had no credit, and uh, the parent was trying to find a way to uh, establish a credit score for this person uh, once they came back to the U.S., That's a good point, yeah, about it takes credit to build credit. I think this is a great strategy for starting out. I would say, though, that it probably shouldn't be your forever option. I think it's more of a stepping stone to building credit. One primary example is with spouses, for instance. There are very few joint credit cards. Most of the time, someone is the primary account holder and the other one is the authorized user. And even though an authorized user relationship can help you build credit, it doesn't carry quite the same weight in the credit scoring formula. And also, you can't keep the account if the primary account holder dies, God forbid, or like if you get divorced or something, or you know if it's a business card and you leave the business or you split up with your business partner. I would say authorized user relationships are a great building block, but try to use this as a way to eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, qualify for credit in your own name. And, you know, those other options could also include things like student credit cards or secured credit cards that you could get in your own name. Uh, Some institutions like credit unions offer credit builder loans. Um, These are all kind of stepping stones to building your credit score, which is super important for so many loans and lines of credit in the future. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. And still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday, using dividend stocks to fuel your cash machine. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 pre- Precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Chicago's new temporary police superintendent is a veteran of the department. Investigators believe the wife of a suspected murderer in Texas helped him elude capture. In Personal Finance Wednesday, a stock strategy designed to bring impressive cash returns. And if you need a passport for your upcoming trip, you need to get that process going sooner rather than later. WBBM Business, the markets are higher, the Dow is up 63 points. The Nasdaq is up 62. The S&P 500 is up 14. We have 53 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies, going up to 59. Cooler by the lakefront. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, Fred Waller, who spent more than three decades with the Chicago Police Department before retiring in 2020, is returning as interim superintendent. He will step into the position when Mayor-elect Brandon Johnson is sworn into 
office on May 15th. Waller worked his way up to chief of patrol, then chief of operations, before being promoted to third in command at CPD. The suspect wanted for the killing of five people in Texas has been caught, and he's not the only one in custody. San Jacinto County Sheriff Greg Caper says a tip led them to Francisco Oropesa, hiding out in a home 20 miles from the scene of the shooting. He was caught hiding in a closet underneath some laundry. His wife denied knowing where he was, but authorities believe she hid him in that home. Oropesa was shooting his AR-style rifle for fun Friday night when a neighbor asked him to move to another location so his baby could sleep. Instead, Caper says he shot five people in that house. And he will live out his life behind bars for killing those five. Audio courtesy KTRK. I'm Julie Walker. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are gaining ground. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, President, Kultbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando, Florida. Gary, thank you for joining us today. As far as the markets are concerned, this is definitely the calm before the storm and before some wild swings that will take place uh, starting at 1 o'clock Central Time when the Fed makes its interest rate announcement. Yeah, the market is, again, waiting on the whims of one man who has been wrong uh, 100 out of 100 times, uh, but has his hand on the levers. And uh, the expectations is that if he raises rates one quarter a point more, it's going to be the end for now. Uh, and the fact is, I don't think he really has to. Uh, the 10-year yield is down, it's down under 3.4%. He's at 5%. Uh, so he's really way above the uh, free market and what the free market's been saying. And uh, you've you've kind of been fairly consistent in your belief that uh, the the Fed was late to the party in fighting inflation, and that now they're uh, at risk of uh, overshooting in terms of bringing it down. Of course, look, the market is a lot smarter than him, a lot smarter than me. And while interest rates started skyrocketing. Uh, indicating inflation, he sat there and waited and waited, and not till real trouble came did he start to catch up. And now interest rates, again, the free market have gone from four three down to three three, and he keeps raising rates. The good news is, uh, the one thing he's got going for him is the American people, two hundred million of us going to work every day to do better for ourselves and our families, uh, and keeping things going. But if he goes too far the other way and tightens credit, and you already see what's happening with banks right now. Uh, there could be trouble on the horizon. Right now, I think we're okay, uh, but I do see some slippage in the job market. And the one thing we don't want to lose right now is the job market. And uh, the job market, at least going by the latest uh, ADP, the private payrolls number, is uh, get ready for a surprise come uh, Friday morning to the upside that uh, hiring is stronger than a lot of uh, people anticipated. At the same time, though, there's always been a great deal of divergence between the ADP report and the Department of Labor report. So uh, this report from ADP that says hiring in April was stronger, way stronger than a lot of people had anticipated. Maybe uh, maybe we'll see some contraction come Friday. I mean, they, they, yeah. usually, they don't really agree. I would wait for Friday. I think that's, that's an important number. Uh, but one number that came out yesterday, the JOLTS number, which is job listings, uh, the second uh, largest drop in history that that is basically companies saying, okay, we had all these jobs up there. Oh, we don't need them anymore. Uh, so we're not going to do that hiring. So that tells me that's where the slippage is. And if things worsen, guess what? The next thing will be 
uh, more, unfortunately, uh, letting go of people. And then the unemployment rate starts to uh, kick in gear to the upside. And when you have a consumer right now, and anybody can go uh, uh, Google the charts, of uh, savings rates, which have plunged, and credit card usage, which has skyrocketed. That's a one-two punch that if we do lose the job market, I think the economy could be in trouble. Fingers crossed jobs uh, stay strong. Now, very quickly, uh, we are seeing signs of a slowdown at the very least, that the uh, interest rate hikes are having their intended effect. But how far behind the curve are we you know, in terms of uh, the numbers today, and, 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 and what interest rate hike does this reflect? Well, look, again, I, I think the bigger number is the 10-year yield. That's the mortgages. You know what the strongest stocks in the market are right now? The housing stocks. Why? Because mortgage rates have come down markedly again, and inventory has not skyrocketed. So uh, housing stocks are, are in very good stead here. Uh, again, all these things you add up together, I think we're okay. Nothing spectacular. Uh, but a mar- economy doesn't need spectacular. We just need a good job market, people being able to go to work, upward mobility, and for them to get out of our way. But we have so many things on the horizon, this debt ceiling thing, which, by the way, I'm a big believer we need to lower the debt, not raise it, but that's never going to change. Uh, we got the debt ceiling we got to worry about and the massive amount of debt uh, that this country's taken on to the point where we're going to be uh, – our first uh, trillion dollars of tax dollars each year is going to go towards interest. And I got news for you. That's not good news. Gary Kulpbaum, President Kulpbaum Capital Management, Orlando, Florida. Find him online, GaryK.com. Thanks for joining us. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, generating cash using dividend stocks. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and this afternoon we're focusing on dividend stocks and what helps determine the best choices. Let's get some help from Vahan Jenjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about the best dividend stocks, uh, let's define what a dividend stock is for the investor who whose exposure to the stock market is simply uh, through a retirement account or a savings account. Um, sure. So, uh, you know, there are all kinds of stocks out there. Um, but some stocks pay dividends and some stocks don't pay dividends. So uh, a stock that pays dividends is um, taking uh, some of its earnings um, and distributing it to uh, the investors, the stockholders, um, and it is taking the rest of those earnings and reinvesting them into the business, whereas a stock that does not pay any dividends typically invests everything in the in the business. So we, we typically consider... Um, uh, growth stocks, um, stocks that do not pay dividends because they're growing at such a fast rate that they can justify retaining all those earnings. Whereas companies that have uh, matured and reached a level where they're still doing well, producing a lot of cash, uh, but they don't need to reinvest all of the money they're generating. Uh, these are the kinds of companies that typically start paying dividends. And then if you do own a portfolio of dividend stocks, what do you as the investor get at the end of the day? So when you own a stock or a portfolio of stocks that pay dividends, you are participating both in capital gains and in also income. So uh, the dividend portion is the income portion. So uh, at the end of uh, typically every quarter, you are receiving a payment from that company. It's, a, it's an actual cash payment that goes into your brokerage account. Um, and you also are still a stockholder in the company. And if the stock price goes up, you're participating 
in the capital appreciation as well. So what are some of the, if you want to jump into the uh, dividend stocks uh, portion of investing, uh, what are some of the kind of tried and true names when it comes to dividend stocks to really get you off on the right foot? Okay, so first of all, let me, let me say that um, Warren Buffett, who is uh, you know, one of the greatest investors of all times, uh, has a habit of buying stocks that pay dividends because he really likes the uh, cash flow that he receives. Ironically, the company that he runs, Berkshire Hathaway, does not pay any dividends at all. Uh, and the second point I would make is that we are now at a time where short-term interest rates are very high. And so people who want to generate income over the short term are probably better off buying, let's say, a three-month treasury bill, which is yielding over 5%. However, if you are a longer-term investor, I would strongly recommend, uh, if you want income, to go with dividend-paying stocks. Uh, and two of my uh, favorite dividend-paying stocks are Verizon and IBM. Now, both of these stocks have not done very well um, recently in terms of stock price appreciation, but their total returns are not bad if you take those dividends into consideration. But you should not buy a stock simply because it pays a dividend or because it has a high dividend yield. Um, you should also pay attention to whether this company has been able to increase the dividend on a consistent basis. Um, Verizon, for example, has increased its dividend every single year for 18 years, and IBM has done so for 28 years. So these are companies that are likely to continue increasing their dividends. And if you're a long-term investor and you want income, I think you'd be better off going with stocks like this than than buying something like a 10-year Treasury bond. Thanks for the advice. Vahan Jenjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, it's taking longer to renew or obtain a passport. We'll give you some key deadlines next. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A potential trip could be ruined if you don't get your passport in time. Let's talk about how long it's taking these days with Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. Cindy, thank you for joining us uh, again today to talk about uh, passports. And they're renewed every 10 years, and you might not uh, think about the expiration date when you're planning that fabulous trip abroad, but uh, the problem is uh, the clock is indeed ticking. And if uh, you're coming up against that deadline, uh, you don't go to the last minute because it takes a long time to get a new passport. It does. And the first thing you should know is if your passport is expired and you need a new one, you are not alone. One of our most popular stories on SheBuysTravel.com is about what to do when your expedited passport doesn't arrive in time. So there are a lot of people in the same boat. And then when it comes to uh, renewing your passport, I mean, we knew there were a lot of problems a couple of years ago in uh, turning around passport requests because the federal government, like everybody else, was working remotely because of the pandemic. There were lots of uh, 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 just it was very hard to turn these things around in, in a short amount of time. Has the uh, the has the government done anything to improve that? Um, sadly, not really. Um, the uh, average time for a passport now is 10 to 13 weeks, and an expedited passport, they're saying, can take seven to nine weeks. I lost my passport before the pandemic and had to get an expedited passport, and it got to me in five days. So the time has definitely stretched out. 
Um, what people need to know is if you have a trip planned, well, first, people need to know they need to look at their passport. And that was one of the problems, right? During the pandemic, none of us were traveling, so nobody looked at their passports to find out that they were ready to expire. So the first thing you need to do is take it out and look at it. And my recommendation is if it's um, more than six months or uh, less than six months away from expiration, do it now. Because you never know. Who knows? You could win the lottery and decide to take an international trip, and you got to have a passport to do that. Now, let's so say once- I was going to say, let's say though you have a, uh, a lottery winnings uh, notwithstanding. Uh, let's say you do have an international trip planned later this year, uh, maybe in June or July, but your passport expiration is in the fall. Are you still good to go, or should you have already gotten the ball rolling on getting a replacement? Well, it depends on where you're going. Some places require you to have a passport that is good for six months after your travel dates, after your completion of your travel date. So you need to check with wherever you're going to find out what their passport requirements are. If you're traveling in June internationally, it's too late to try to get a passport unless you want to, unless you're two weeks out from your trip and you have an expired passport, in which case you can get a same day passport from the passport office in Chicago. You've got to call and get an appointment, and they book up, as you might imagine, because this happens to people. Um, but you call now and see if you can get um, an appointment, but it has to be already expired or expiring before your trip. So if you're, um, if you're traveling internationally in June or July, take the passport you've got as long as the place that you're going to, if it's a cruise or whatever, they're willing to accept it. Um, if not, uh, then you should see what you can get done um, to get a passport that, that is good before you leave because you spend all that money on a trip. You don't want to have to walk away from it. Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.